We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Liar. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network, and as of lately, also on the Locker Room app. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for none other than Blue Wire. Joining me tonight, my co-host, my number one stunner, former NFL defensive back, just all-around good guy, Eric Crocker. What's up, bro? What's up, man? So uh, my, our guy Lance, he's in the comments, and he said, air that whole out 2021. 20, I think, you know, obviously I have my Patreon account, but I think I need to, like, have, like, a segment of, like, my Patreon where it's, like, dedicated to, like, airing that whole out. Well, I know one thing that you need to have that just hit me right now is we got to make T-shirts, bro. I got to come up with this, the, the design, and we got to make T-shirts. You know what? My my wife, as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell her right now. So she gets paid like once a month through, you know, that, that stuff that she be selling or whatever. Yeah, and she's yeah. got like this fat-ass check. And she's like, oh, we do this, we do that. And I'm like, man, let's get some T-shirts. What do you think about that, babe? Oh, she said no. Never mind. Okay. Well, there goes that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all there right. is to it. That's all there is to it. I know how that is. I, but once yeah. I sell some t-shirts and they're making money, then she's going to want some. But she just like, doesn't no. want you making a t-shirt with the word ho on it. Is that work? No, no. Yep. Stevie Crocker is about to jump on that mic and light, light this place up. 
He's about to grab yeah. that mic, swing it over to her direction, and be like, listen here, folks. <laughs> this is right. Stevie from Striking Gold, and I'm calling Aaron Crocker out on his bullshit. Yeah. That's funny as hell. That's funny as hell. All right. Well, I mean, I like shit. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to create the design no matter what, Crocker, and then we'll show it to Stevie, who has has always had to approve all of our other designs, and we'll see what she says. You know, and maybe when she sees the reality of it, she'll she'll come to our side. Right, right. You know, it, it, we can we can get it done. We can get it done. As Alex said, all I know is the rabbit likes her and not Eric. <laughs> That's true, man. That rabbit, dude. I'm afraid of that rabbit, and I live all the way across the country from that rabbit, and I've never even seen that rabbit, and I'm still afraid of that. Just I, yeah, I don't no, know. He, he he still gives me like creepy vibes. I, I don't mess with him at all. I've been every, every time he walks by, every time Crocker walks by, the rabbit rotates to where he's always facing Crocker. <laughs> mm. Right. Yeah, we got to. Uh, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to come up with a, a logo design for Air That Hoe Out, and I'm really not sure what I'm gonna come up with because, you know, obviously there's gonna be some type of arc, you know, some type of football traveling, you know, through the air. But I mean, I gotta find a way to incorporate the word "ho" into the, into the design. So. <laughs> yeah. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So on to the 49ers business, I suppose. I suppose. I'm. You know, honestly though, I'm feeling really accomplished because uh, I just replaced. I just got done replacing all the smoke alarms in my house, and I had to like. They're ones that are like wired into my my home. And so I had to uh, to rewire all the three wires for each smoke alarm. And my dad came over, showed me how to do it. And I did them all, though. He just showed me. And uh, I'm feeling good, dude. You know, when you take care of shit around the house and you just feel good about yourself, that's uh, that's where I'm at right now. So, um, you know, one small step forward. The last time I tried to mess with a smoke alarm, I fell off this part of my house. I fell about nine feet onto, onto my kitchen floor because the ladder came out from under me. And that didn't feel good. And didn't feel good. I think I, I broke I my toe, and I'm just getting over it. Yeah, I told that. you about that. I don't think I told the pod about that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I took a spill, so it's hard to describe. There's like this little terrace that goes around the top of my kitchen above the counters, where you can like you know if you were like a designer type, you could put things on there, and you know like vases and fake plants and all that shit that no one cares about. And uh, I was on top of it to fix the smoke alarm that was on the ceiling. And as I was getting down, I put my feet down on the ladder, and the floor was a little slick, and I should have had should have had someone holding the ladder for me, and I kicked it out from under me and just fell straight down flat on my, like, chest, you know, basically flat. Almost, I fell almost in, like, a push-up, push-up position, and uh, it didn't feel good. But anyways, I, that did not happen today, so we are making progress. But anyways, also making progress are the San Francisco 49ers with all of these people. That Dan's trying to Dan must have just jumped in. He has no idea what we're what we're talking about right now. Um, but now we're talking about the 49ers, so it doesn't matter. We got to see some progress. I mean, I know that the the, the 49ers Twitter as of late has just been nothing but kind of like speculation and could have, should have, would have. You know, who knows? We'll see all that stuff. Well, we actually got some action. Now let's let's start in in chronological order, and then we'll, we'll get to the most recent one. So I believe it was two or three days ago, and you and I exchanged a few text messages about this, Crocker. The 49ers re-signed corner Emmanuel Mosley to a relatively modest two-year $10 million deal 
We don't really know how that two years, that money is distributed. But for the most part, let's just say it's split right down the middle, and Emmanuel Mosley is making five mil a year. And it's usually not like that, especially when the 49ers are maneuvering their little salary cap right now. So, Croc, you had thoughts. You sent them to me via text. Let everybody know. What were what were your what was your whole reaction to that at first? So initially my my response was, why the hell would they do that? <laughs> you know, like you know, I was looking at Mosley as somebody who they would look to kind of I don't want to say lock in or whatever, but it was like, oh, got a starting corner. But then he didn't have a good year. And then as the season continued and you know, he had he got banged up for a little bit, he came back from that. But when he came back, I mean, he was backing up not only with his phone, but in the slot, they elected to play Dante Johnson over him in the nickel. And I was, I was really like blown away by that. And to me, you know, I've been really big on, you know, judging the 49ers by what they do and not what they say. So from, you know, that, what that told me was they don't, they don't really mess with them like that. Not, not saying they don't like them, but it's just like at that point, it's like not like, Wittisman's better than you, and Dante Johnson's better than you in the nickel, so you're not going to play. So, you know, I knew I, I, I expected them to pick up his, you know, the whole restricted free agent and everything and, and sign him, you know, from and that from that uh, standpoint. But, you know, a, a two-year, $10 million contract and whatnot, initially, I was like, what the hell? Like, it just to me, it just didn't make sense. It's like, bring him back on that $3.4 million or whatever it was going to be, and then from there, you know, you either do away with them or re-sign them. But you and I talked, and you were like, well, well, wait, hold on. It's up to $10 million, which, okay, that made a lot of sense. So it, essentially, it's probably a very similar contract as it would have been if he were, um, you know, uh, signed the franchise tender or restricted free agent tender, whatever that whole thing is. Um, it's probably similar money. And the, I do think the thing that, from this standpoint, how it helps the team is if he does ball out and he is a good starting corner, then you have him for the cheap next year. So I guess if you look at that from that standpoint, it probably essentially is still a one-year deal with low money um, and low guarantees. But, you know, overall, I guess it's a low risk for the 49ers because if he is good next year, it's still not much money. So um, I, I, I was a little – I didn't really care for it at first, but I think I like it a little bit more now. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same opinion. I, and I, and when we first talked about it, it wasn't like I was, like, firmly in the, you know, oh, well, you know, it's a good deal thing and, you know, who knows. It, it was just kind of like it was interesting to me because, to to your point, you mentioned the fact that, you know, Emmanuel mostly did get, get, did get banged up. Uh, you know, so did Kwan Williams. They brought in Jamar Taylor to replace Kwan Williams. He got hurt. Uh, they brought in Akella Witherspoon to replace Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, and then when Emmanuel Mosley got healthy, he didn't come in at either spot. He didn't, they didn't take Akella Witherspoon out. They uh, brought in Dante Johnsons to play the slot in replacement of Jamar Taylor, who was replacing Kwan Williams. So it was kind of like Emmanuel Mosley just got like benched hardcore, you know, like on multiple levels of the team because he's capable of playing the slot. I mean, who knows if he. I think he's good in the slot. Right. I mean, that's kind of where it was almost like, well, wasn't that, was there not a time where we kind of assumed he would end up there? Uh, well, maybe yeah. after, you know. Okay, so what people probably don't remember, initially, um, that first year there were two, maybe there was more, but if I remember correctly, there were two undrafted rookie free agents. It was him and Tarverius McFadden. 
And they actually, I know, right? So this is what, 2018, I believe. So when McFadden came in, so they they started with that group. They started with Mosley on the outside in the base packages. And then when they went to nickel, they moved Mosley into the nickel and put McFadden outside. So to me, they just, hey, he has that versatility. He can play inside and outside. And then he actually played a lot of nickel in preseason games. And I thought he played very well there. So from that standpoint, I'm like, damn, maybe long term, he's a guy who can kind of do like, you know, Chris Harris Jr., where Chris Harris started on the outside. In nickel situations, he slid inside. And maybe mostly could be that type of guy. And there was a game. Isn't that, is, I don't mean, isn't that what Jason Verrett did to, at the start of his career a little bit? I don't remember at the start of his career. I mean, I know okay, he lined okay. up in different spots, but I don't know if that was like, oh, you're outside. He might have just been following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, and then there was a game, and we almost screwed it up against the uh, against the Saints. You guys remember Richard Sherman got hurt on that last defensive drive. He had to come out, and then they were kind of scrambling, and there was like Mosley in the nickel. But then he's like, "Oh, I got to go outside." And then DJ Reed was like, "Oh, where do I line up?" And the Forty Nine ers just gave up a catch. I know people probably weren't paying attention to that whole mix up there when when uh, when. Uh, uh, Richard Sherman kind of, you know, ran off the field or whatever with the injury. But, yeah, man, like, I mean, he seemed like someone where it's like, hey, if, if there's a nickel down, he's the next guy up. So to see him not only play, like, not play outside and then plays Witherspoon over him, who was scheduled to be a free agent, and then it's like, no, we're not even going to play you inside. We're going to play Dante Johnson. And you're going to play special teams. You're just going to be a gunner and play on special teams. To me, I was like, wow. Like, that's that says a lot to me. Right. And, and it does say a lot. So, I mean, but maybe the 49ers are speaking with their money a little bit. And, and I think that there's a little bit of, of you know, minutia to this whole signing because you got to realize, too, you know, each Jason Verrett, Kwan Williams, Emmanuel Mosley, Atella Witherspoon, they all have different values. And how, you know, where the 49ers consider them as far as skill wise is only part of the equation. They also have to consider how much that player is going to be able to cost, how much they're going to cost to be able to resign and keep. You know, maybe they felt that Emmanuel Mosley and Akella Witherspoon skill-wise were close, but they would they felt they would be able to get Emmanuel Mosley for cheaper. And so they're like, look, all right, we maybe maybe Emmanuel Mosley is a step down from Akella Witherspoon in their eyes. Who knows? Um, but hey, we can get this guy for cheaper. He's got just as much starting experience. Um, you know, has handled that start ex- starting experience a little better. Might have struggled last year, but we think he can come back. And we feel like if he does come back, now we're getting him on the cheap, like you said. So there's just a little bit of balancing there. It's not always about re-signing the absolute best guy, especially when the 49ers are tucked up against the salary cap and they're trying to figure out what the best solution is. You know, it's kind of like those little things you pop up on Twitter where you have to choose, you know, one play, one group of players is worth a five, one's worth a four, one's worth a three, and you have to, you know, it have, the total has to be less than right. 20 points. That's a good well, way the to 49ers are, the 49, <laughs> thanks. The 49ers are trying to do that right now, you know, with, with Trent Williams being the one that's going to cost the most, um, Emmanuel Mosley being like one of the ones that costs like a one or two, maybe J- Jason Brett was like a three or a four, you know, so they're trying to balance it all right now. So it's not always just about – who they felt was the best corner, they're they're trying to kind of work their way into what they feel is the best combination. So hopefully that makes sense. 
Um, no, that definitely makes sense. And again, look, like we don't know. I think because even with, and I'm not a cap guy or contract guy, I don't know exactly how these things work. But I know on Madden, the more years <laughs> I give yeah. someone, the more years I give someone, the lower the hit is. Like you know, depending on the guaranteed money, of course. But it like you know, if I just give somebody a one year contract, you know, even on that same dollar amount, if I make it two years then it actually kind of, like, goes down. It's kind of hard to explain, but um, I think maybe that's something that happened where it's like, hey, let's instead of just keeping him for this year for 3.4, let's give him two years and a signing bonus, and I think that might help alleviate some cap, uh, you know, hits to the team, but still probably is not much guaranteed, you know, it's probably the same amount guaranteed as if he was just playing this year. Right, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if his base contract this year was right around the same as he would have cost on the little tender, and it's the rest is just incentives over that. And and again, up to ten when when these fun contracts first come out, the number is always advertised at the absolute maximum that contract is worth because it makes everybody look good. It makes the 49ers seem like they're willing to pay their players. It makes the agents seem like they're getting their players good contracts. It makes the players seem like he's getting a great contract. And there's all these elements to it, and it's never worth that max amount. Or at the very least, they never end up playing through the contract to the absolute max amount, rarely. So when they said up to $10 million, I was like, okay, this thing could be pretty far away from $10 million. But if, if Emmanuel Mosley plays two full seasons and they make the playoffs, then, then maybe he gets to see his contract's max value. And that's just and all that stuff if goes he starts, in. If he starts every game in those two years, that's, that's good value to have a corner that made $10 million over two years that's starting. Like, that, that's solid. That's not, that's not bad at all. No, not at all. The cornerback market is, I mean, it's up there with some of the highest paid players in the NFL. So to get a guy who we have seen play well, that the 49ers found as an undrafted free agent, and you get to keep him for two years and a max of $10 million, when he could, I'm not, I mean, if, if, if he hit the open market, there's a chance some team would have paid him $10 million a year. You know, like, I don't think he would have gotten that much. But I'm just saying, like, good corners get way above that. So, I mean, that, even $10 million a year is not that huge for what some corners get. So there's, there, we're all over the map as far as what they could have got. Um, so, anyways, before we move on to the 49ers' next free agent, uh, Mario has had a speaker request in here for a while. Let's get Mario in here and see what he has to say. Mario, if you are there, you are a go, my friend. Hello, Mario. Hello. You- can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah. Hey, I love the podcast. Uh, I was Appreciate just curious. Uh, hey, Crocker, who do you think the Niners can get in the later rounds of the draft that will be able to make an impact for them? At, at what at what position? Uh, any position. Uh, okay, so, I mean, you know, that, it, it's really broad because I think there are a lot of good players that will eventually slide. The tough thing is, like, you kind of never know. Like, if you would have told me before the draft, that, hey, this dude, Dre Greenlaw, would end up saving the 49ers and making them, you know, win the NFC West and be a starter and eventually replace Quan Alexander, I'd have been like, man, you're crazy, right? A lot of people were calling him, like, just some special teamer and undersized linebacker and all that. But he turned out to be a solid starting linebacker. So 
a lot of times it's kind of it's, it's really hard to tell like just who's going to be good. Now I did get a message from someone. Uh, this this guy Will Greg. So Will Will's brother actually played at the University University of Arkansas, and obviously that's where uh, uh, Greenlaw went. And I went to UAM. So when I went to UAM, uh, Will was in middle school. He was a big ass middle school kid, so I used to let him like drive my car to get food and stuff. <laughs> well, he ended up he, yeah, so that was when he was in middle school. But he ended up going D one. He went to Arkansas and he was on the team with Greenlaw. So when Niner signed him, he messaged me. He was like, "Hey man, Greenlaw is real. Like y'all gonna really like him." He was like, "That's it. He's a good football player." So he was right. So I mean, but I would have never been able to guess that pre-draft. Now, um, you know, just off the top of my head, obviously I specialize more, quote unquote, specialize more in receivers and defensive backs. And there are guys, like, depending on what the 49ers do, like, with their money and, and, you know, free agency and whatnot, there are guys like Jonathan Adams. And, dang, he's another Arkansas guy, but he goes to Arkansas State. <laughs> but that that's not why I like Jonathan Adams. I think he just kind of feels of We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That the 49ers haven't had like a really uh, above the rim receiver. He's six three, moves well, like contested catch guy. Um, you know, runs well. So I, I think he's just kind of looking at him right now without really diving into his film a whole lot. I know he brings a different level of you know physicality than you know as far as being able to catch the ball. Um, you know, a contested catch is above the rim. 49ers don't really have that guy. Like not even George Kittle. So it would be nice to see somebody like him. You know, um, and I, I'd expect him to go you know, mid to late rounds. Mario, you got anything else, buddy? Oh, no, that was it. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, no problem, man. Appreciate you you checking in. Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches 
so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gold, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners, get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash gold. That's BetterHelp.com slash G-O-L-D. All right, one thing that i got to cover real quick, because obviously we're going to talk about the Kyle Yushek extension, new contract, whatever you want to call it. But there, we gotta we got to set the scene for this, okay? we got to set the scene for this, and then we'll get to more speakers. We'll get to the, the comments in the chat. Um, Croc, if you don't mind, pay attention to that chat in case. I don't want to miss anything. No, I want them to feel like we're watching it. But we got to break down how la- things played out last night, because when I went to bed, everything was all quiet on 49ers <laughs> land. And then when I woke up, Everyone was talking about the fact that John Lynch and Jed York were, like, drunk tweeting. So I had to go yeah. and find this. And let me see exact. Does it say? I was okay, awake. I, yeah, I see. I didn't go to bed that early. So I don't know how. Maybe I just wasn't on, on Twitter. But the first message here from the last message, and it's still there on John Lynch's Twitter, the 49ers general manager is, I'm thirsty. Niners fans, you want some juice in quotation marks? Like, okay, what if this is the big? Okay, go ahead. You you, so, you got so more to say. When I initially saw that, I was just like, okay, it's a little corny, but he, you know, it must be time for the Forty Niners. They're about to sign. Use check. So that that was just my initial thoughts when I saw that. All right, so keep going. And then just about twenty minutes after John Lynch's corny tweet. <laughs> Jed York fires off, I'm the luckiest man in the world, my wife, I am Danielle, our coach, hashtag Kyle, because he doesn't have a Twitter, (laughs) our GM at John Lynch 49ers, love my life and those I share it with. Obviously, this one is obviously drunk. Yeah, so, but now when I saw that, my initial reaction was, they're they're hacked, like John Lynch, his, (laughs) his account's hacked. Jed York, he's hacked. Like, somebody figured out how to hack them or stole their phones, like, one or the other. Like, you, when it was just John Lynch, I was just like, okay, a little corny, but all right, they must be about to sign you check. But when Jed York came out and said that, I was just like, all right, I, these guys are hacked. But I think the tweets are all still up, so they might have really just been drunk. They are. What if this <laughs> is the beginning of just this hella funny John Lynch or corny on Twitter? Hella funny or corny John Lynch on Twitter. I'm like, anytime the 49ers do anything, he he's just tweeting these cryptic, silly-ass tweets. Or maybe even Jed York gets involved. I mean, it, it was just so off the like beaten a, path from what they yeah, normally do. That's kind of like uh, Pete Carroll. You know, during the draft, you know how he always does that, like, um, thing the where – 
he had a little hints, and he's like, one time he was playing the piano, but then it's like DK Metcalf, and he's like, what does DK have to do with the piano? I mean, he like he just does like these weird things that's supposed to give you know the people a hint as to you know who they're about to take. So um, maybe John Lynch is trying to you know just be more interactive with uh, <laughs> the, the faithful. They, they well, lost the who who was the who was the the, the Al Guido? Is that the guy they lost? Yeah, uh, well, Al Guido's the president. Did okay, they, so not he, him. No. No, yeah, they I, lost. They lost somebody. Oh, you're talking about? Uh, I I think he was in charge of the 49ers like media team. Um, what's I? Yeah, I'm him. Completely blanking on his name, but I know it, and I, I, I we follow each other on Twitter, and I'm just not thinking of it right now. Uh, I think he just got a job back with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think he's yeah, him. back yep. with the Chiefs now. Okay, I, I should know his name. I've said it a million times. I just can't remember it in this moment because I suck. And now I think, uh, oh, it was um, Brandon Ayuk just tweeted a little laughing face with a little tiny bo- little box of juice. <laughs> so and and so there's one more thing that we hadn't mentioned yet that was just tweeted out. Let me. It's it's Kyle Uschek tweeted it, and he's so he got tweeted. Okay. Here it is. Jed York said 20 something minutes ago said, I'm so fired up. Juice had to be the, had to be the coherent FaceTime from us last night that sealed the deal. So now we know that not only were John Lynch they and Jed York drunk. together getting drunk, but they also <laughs> FaceTimed Kyle Juszczyk to say, Hey man, we got this contract worked out, man. Five more years. You're going to be a Niner and, and whatever was said. Uh, you know, obviously it was a last more a lot a lot more interesting than that, but yeah. that, I mean that's just, was, just funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's it just funny like, to I think about. Yeah, that's funny. I was I was just sure that those tweets were gonna be deleted or you know, John Lynch was gonna come out, hey guys, sorry about last night, you know, someone hacked our accounts. But you know, <laughs> we're we're still going strong, faithful. We do plan on signing you check. But nah, they, the the tweet stayed there, so I'm like, damn, they must have just been ripped. Yeah, they were just ripped, and and they weren't even, uh, you know, they I guess they weren't ripped enough to re- really regret what they said because it was not obviously none of it was bad. It was just funny, and it's just completely yeah. out of character for both of their Twitter accounts. So, and right. then what's funny is if you hover the mouse over the little juice box that Juice included in his tweet, it just says beverage box. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> So if you haven't caught on already, we haven't even really officially said what happened. The 49ers, not only did they sign Emmanuel Mosley, but they also re-signed uh, fullback Kyle Juszczyk. Probably, if you were to ask Kyle Shanahan, probably a top three to five uh, part of his offense. Like, not not to be underrated, the 49ers re-signed Kyle Juszczyk to a five-year, $27 million deal. And there were some other details dropped about that contract. Um, I can't remember who did it. I think it was Adam Kaplan. Let me go over to his page real quick. I believe it was. He said that it's $10 million guaranteed. It's a five-year, $27 million deal. So a touch over $5 million a year on average. But Adam also said that there's only $10 million guaranteed. So what that means is that you can kind of consider it like a two- or three-year deal, depending on how the contract's organized. And after that, it becomes kind of like optional, you know, or there could be some a ghost year in there that kind of like mitigates the, the where you can kind of spread out the bonuses. Um, Adam Kaplan did say that he's getting five point four million in year one. So no matter what your feelings are about a fullback, 
All you need to know is that Kyle Shanahan wants him around, considers him one of the most important parts of his offense, and they're not paying him that much in the grand scheme of football players. Sure, it's a lot for a fullback, but I don't think anybody is really surprised by it. You know, and when they first signed Kyle Yushuk to that amount of money, you know, three years ago, everybody everybody was like, holy shit. But now it's like, okay, we know what he does. If anything, the 49ers could get more out of him if they wanted to. Um, and, and so I don't, I mean, as far as an opinion, I think it's a great, I think it's a great thing to keep around a guy like that who, um, does everything you want as a football player. For the most part, he stays healthy. Um, he threw Minka Fitzpatrick to the side with one arm. That's always cool. And he is a super locker room guy. He's so much fun to talk to. I always enjoyed interviewing you check in the locker room. He's just a super like smart upfront positive, you know, just an interesting guy, always tries to answer your question the best of his ability. And so he just seems like he's just a guy you want around on your football team, and, you know, both based on his skills and the, the way he is. So I don't know, Croc, what were your what were your feelings on it? I mean, you, you see the large number, and I think everybody's kind of reacting to that. Same with um, the, the, the quarterback that's not a quarterback in New Orleans, uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. You, know, you, <laughs> you see, like, this large number. And it's just like, look at the details, right? And basically, Taysom Hill is contracted year to year. Like, they can void it at any point. When you look at Ushex, it's essentially a two-year, $10 million contract. Like, you yep. know, I mean, if they plan on keeping him after that, then, yeah, like, he'll make a lot of money. But in two years, they can get rid of him, and they paid him $10 million over two years. Uh, you know, I, I learned firsthand not to pay attention to the larger number. Like, when I signed my contract with the Jets, it was for $1.5 million. I did not make one point five million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so you're only I'm sorry, Yeah, I know. But you're only getting what's guaranteed to you. Um it looks like it's only about ten million dollars guaranteed to him. So that to me when I looked at that, it was just it's two years, ten million dollars. And you know, I see John in the in the uh comments and he says, Do you have a problem with the four nine paying him as far as, you know, kind of the uh positional value? And for him, I, I would like if he would just appear running back and we've seen like it hasn't gone well with him just paying running backs, even most of last year. Like, it didn't really go as well um, paying him. But I think this is a little different because with Juszczyk, he does do a lot more. Now, me personally, I'm like, man, you can easily change up this offense without him. And we see the Rams run a variation of the same offense, but they run it out of 11 personnel. So they, they typically have three receivers on the field at one time. So, I mean, there's that way. And then, you know, but just Kyle – likes using the fullback, and if that's what he likes to do, I, I do think that he's worth it from that standpoint of, you know, making the 49ers offense more versatile from a 21 personnel. So um, it seems like it kind of presents some type of mismatch uh, problems. Shoot, you know, it's it's whatever. Maybe You know, he's probably a really good guy, leader. Um, and, you know, you, you <laughs> want good football players. You want good football players. He is a good football player, so – you know, it's good to have guys like that around. Again, five million dollars a year, a, a, a little, a little steep, but it sounds like he's very important to the offense. Right. That's really all it comes down to. That's, and, and I don't do this all the time, but whenever I don't really have a super entrenched opinion on a on a player signing, I just go, well, if Kyle Shanahan wants to pay him five point four million dollars, then who am I to argue that he shouldn't? Like because. If the guy that knows all the stuff that makes all the decisions wants that guy he, around, he then no, 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 don't do that. Don't sell yourself short. Like you can question it. I would. Like, no, I, you, 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 you left off the beginning of that. I said, if I don't have 
any okay. opinion one way or the other, then I defer to Kyle Shanahan wants him, then so be it. But no, well, I don't, well, I'm not well, saying I won't, won't have an opinion. Yeah, well, okay. Well, my opinion is fine. Opinion? That is my opinion. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, it's I know that Kyle Shanahan holds Kyle, uh, Kyle Juszczyk in high regard. That's the reason he made him the highest paid fullback at the start. That's the reason he's making him the highest paid fullback now. He's like, you know, you can think of him in so many different ways. He's a really, really good lead blocker. He's a really, really good running back in short yardage situations. He's uh, a, like a tight end two or three, depending on how you want to look at him. Whenever the 49ers don't necessarily need to invest in a blocking tight end because they have Kyle Juszczyk who can hang with all of the same amount of duties because of how good he is in that part of his game. The dude also is, is if anything, underutilized in the passing game. Because we've seen he has outstanding hands. We've seen him make some pretty insane catches. They just don't do it that often, and that's fine when you have guys like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. If your fullback is underutilized in the passing game, I understand. Like, you got other guys to throw the ball to. But I just feel like like you put it, you put it well. He's just a good football player, and he's a good guy in the locker room. If you watched his interview at the end of the season, he just straight up, straight up got teary-eyed. When it, when he, the idea of moving on from the 49ers was brought up, and so those are the guys you want around. That can't be the sole reason you keep them around, just because you like them as a person. But he's a hell of a football player, and and there's really not a whole lot of faults in in what he does. And if Kyle Shanahan thinks he's like one of those key cogs in his offense, then that's what I mean. Who am I to argue, man? Bring it on. Let's go. If that now if that five million was what keeps him from re-signing somebody like Trent Williams, then I guess you can turn the the microscope on that, but <laughs> yeah. it's not going to come down to that. And that's why they re-signed him. You know, they, it's not that Kyle Juszczyk is the most important player among those that are available. It's just that we can't afford this guy. We need him around. He's sticking around. And that's it. You know, that's, that's all there is uh, to it. Malik in the comments, he, he made a good uh, point too. And he was like, Juice is an excellent short yardage and goal line uh, back as well. And I think that is an underrated aspect of his game you know we we do look at him as you know he does a good job blocking and you know definitely catching the ball but last year he was pretty good like in short yardage situations and in the red zone and that was uh I feel like they hadn't used him like that in recent years not consistently as well I mean as much and um it seemed like last year they they used him you know in in that way a little bit more and I thought he did well in that type of role kind of being the short yardage back in certain situations. So that was kind of cool to see, like, you realize, man, I mean, you're paying on $5 million a year. And, you know, I talk about now, like, hey, it's a two-year, $10 million contract. But I was kind of thinking that of the last contract, and he played that whole contract out. <laughs> so, right, right. You know, we'll, 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 we'll see. All right. So we got we got a couple of speaker requests. And if you guys haven't picked up on it yet, we kind of like to get – you know, well, through, get through a topic, get Crocker nice thoughts, and then as before we move on to another one, we'll we'll go to some speaker requests. So we got Colin. Colin's been waiting patiently, I believe. Maybe he's been in the chat just lighting it up. Like, why haven't you clicked on my name yet? But he's been patient. Colin, what do you got, my friend? You are officially on the stage. Yo, what's up, guys? How you doing, man? Hey, I I did ask it in the chat, but um, it's more of just like if. They're ultimately planning on drafting a QB. How do you just not cut and move on from Jimmy right now to create the $23, $24 million? That way you can use it on Trent, other free agents. I get it'll kind of 
sure what you're wanting to do in the draft, but I, I feel like the free agency money is worth more than maybe like a third or fourth you can trade for Jimmy if the rookie's going to end up starting anyways. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, right, you would like to – it's like if, if we have questions about him really being the guy, which they definitely have questions. They're just trying to figure out how to go about it. Um, you know, then you – you yeah, let them go and use all that money to load up on free agents or whatnot in key positions like maybe a an edge rusher, definitely Trent Williams, a center or guard, you know whatever the situation is to to build around whoever's going to take over the quarterback spot. But like you also said, you know it definitely tips your hand in the draft, and I think if people know like oh 49ers definitely have to go get a quarterback, then I think people will be make more. Drast- they would take more drastic me- measures to move up to get a quarterback if that's what they want to do. I think right now with the 49ers, they're not in a desperate situation to have to take whatever someone offers, I guess, for the pick, right? Like they, they can they can say no to a pick right now because they do have a quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo. So, you know, say they want to move up to six with the Eagles and the Eagles are like, ah, oh, well, we want three first and two seconds. Well, 49ers would be like, hell no, man, like, we're, we're good, and I'm pretty sure they'll be just fine with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, if you have, if you don't have Garoppolo, and you don't have an answer at quarterback, then you have to. You're at their mercy, and you kind of have to make that trade regardless. So, I think from that standpoint, they'll they'll probably uh, keep him on on the roster for this year, just in case, you know. And I I think if they don't get to land a quarterback in the draft because maybe the price was too high, or all the quarterbacks went top five or whatever. I think they'll be just fine with uh, Jimmy at quarterback. Now, for fans, you know, depending on how you feel, we'll, we might be like, oh, man, they didn't do enough to get a starting quarterback. But I think their whole thing all along has been they're, they're just not desperate. They, they would like to upgrade, but they're not desperate. Yeah, I guess just it kind of depends on how big of a difference you think it'd be from going to – because if you don't get a rookie, it'd be like going from Jimmy to Brissett or Dalton or Trubisky or someone like that. So. You kind of just got to weigh it out to see if you think that that difference is big enough to make the move now. That's the that's the biggest thing that you got to remember, and, it, and it's what Kyle Shanahan said all along is like, look, we – one, we like Jimmy Garofalo, and we believe that he is can, make, can still be our starting quarterback. Now, they didn't, like, go to bat for him, but they said, look, we like Jimmy. We believe in Jimmy. We have seen what he can do. When he's out there, we win football games. And that's true, but that kind of ignores part of the fact that he's not out there as much as he should be. But at the same time, Kyle also said, we are not going to move off of Jimmy if we don't have an upgrade in the in the waiting. So then, that, to me, it's about the more of holding on to Jimmy has to do with the flexibility it gives him. Can they still draft a quarterback? in the first round? Can they trade up for a quarterback in the first round? Absolutely. And if as long as they have the money, they can keep Jimmy. And I think that if the 49ers were even tighter up against the salary cap, I think outright cutting Jimmy Garoppolo or trading him or whatever would be a more realistic option. And, and it still is. But the 49ers aren't in desperate need of that money. They, if, if they were, then that would probably be a, a topic that we talk about a lot more. But the 49ers just want to have a starting quarterback on their roster. And if they just cut Jimmy Garoppolo to save money, they no longer have a starting quarterback on their roster unless you're just super high on Josh Rosen. So it's it's just about maintaining that flexibility and giving yourself the opportunity to choose multiple paths. Can they run it back with Jimmy and draft a rookie? Yes. Can they just 
you know, draft a rookie and then cut Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes. Can they go a completely different rec- direction, not draft a quarterback in the first round, get an offensive lineman or receiver or corner, whatever, and roll with Jimmy? You know, they want to have all these options open to them. And I think even though you kind of said, like, you know, I know that it doesn't tip their hand, but at the same time, that's a huge deal, especially if they want a quarterback. They don't want teams trying to fleece them for the house when it comes to picks knowing they no longer have a quarterback and they don't want other teams that need a quarterback trying to get up in front of them. So it's, there's a lot of things that go into keeping Jimmy G and it's not all of, Hey, I, uh, you know, we believe in Jimmy G. He's our starting quarterback. We love him and we're going to roll with him next year. It's not all that. There's so many things that go into that, you know, strategic things that, you know, kind of, kind of holds them in place, you know, unless they were for some reason in desperate need of that money. You got any, uh, you got anything else there, Colin? No, just go get Deshaun Watson and get it over with. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm right there with you, bro. I'll, I'll I'll go knock on the Texans' door with you, dude. We'll, we'll talk about it. All right, man, I appreciate you calling. Uh, uh, real quick before we move on, someone did ask a question. Uh, Dan, he said, what matters more to this offense, a fullback or a wide receiver three? And I would say based on how Kyle envisions running the offense and why he's put so much, uh, I guess, you know, uh, importance on – Keeping Yushek, he would say the fullback. Now, if if they didn't have a Yushek, then yeah, a wide receiver three might be more important because then they could use him in those type of situations. If you have like you know like Cooper Cup, basically the the Rams have swapped out a Yushek for a Cooper Cup. So it it really just depends on how you want to to do it. Um, was more important for one team. It, it, it really could change, and Kyle could adapt. So, you know, right now with Kyle, it's, it's a fullback. If he didn't have use check, he might try to force it and maybe have Dwelly play more of that type of role. But there's there's different ways that you could run it, and I think Kyle would be just as successful doing it whether it's a wide receiver three or a fullback. And I won't even say wide receiver three. I'll just say slot receiver. Um, that's more of a big body that, that can block. And I, I actually might prefer that. I mean, it's not like Juszczyk. He he doesn't get a whole lot of touches. And he, I mean, he blocks decent. But, I mean, he, he got bulldozed a couple times last year. Um, I don't know. I mean, they, they really like him, so I, I can't, you know. But And I, I know he does a lot, but, yeah, I don't. I, I probably – I would prefer a wide receiver uh, slot. Uh, like to have a slot on the field all the time. I think that makes you a little bit more dangerous, but I could be wrong. Kyle's the one that's had the big time offense. Well, when the 49ers, maybe when they get a more dangerous quarterback, then they'll start leaning towards the slot being on the field rather than the fullback. But for now, they don't have a dangerous quarterback, a truly dangerous quarterback. So they're probably, you know, Kyle Shanahan's going to do what he needs to do to make sure his run game is going to function. And so in the 49ers current state with their current quarterback, uh, that's, that's where they're leaning. Whatever makes their run game and Kyle Shanahan's offense in its current form the most potent. And then if, you know, if they get it to Sean Watson, then maybe that slot receiver becomes a little bit more important. But right now, that's just not the, the, the that's not how they're configured. So let's, uh, let's get to, let's get to another speaker because we got a little, we got a list, little list building up and I don't want to let that back up too much. Before we move on to something else, Malik, what you got, man? You are on stage. You guys hear me? Yes, we can. 
Man, long time, long time listener, first time calling in. Let's go, man. <laughs> you know, uh, so out of all the names expected to be available in free agency, who's on your guys' wish list? Ooh, man, that, I mean, that's a good question that you would think we'd know the answer to. Um, I, I don't know, Croc, you got you got one for us? I haven't really went over it like that, but I would say, like, maybe it, Marcus May, the, the safety from the Jets, is he a free agent? They, they just franchise tagged him. Ah, oh, they franchise tagged him. Okay, hold on. There's other safeties. Simmons? Simmons, uh, I believe he got franchise Yeah, he got tagged, too. Keep him going, Carl. Just keep throwing out the names. I know. Hey, hey, going out the names boy, hey, the boy is up to date on this stuff. You, you, you reel him out. I got you. Hi, um, the, the one – let you think about it for a little bit, Croc. The one we talked about last time that, I mean, if if they're re-signing Trent Williams, they already locked up Juice, they already locked up Mosley, maybe they're running out of money. Um, it depends. Uh, but I was real I was real privy on the idea of bringing Emmanuel Sanders straight back into the building. And that's not – obviously, that's not a super sexy free agent signing. I don't know how much he's going to cost on this deal. He's at the tail end of his career, and the Saints just kind of let him go after they just signed him. So it's – I don't know how much he's going to cost, but the idea of getting that guy back into the building who's just a veteran guy for a group of young wide receivers, I like it a lot. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be able to squeeze it in there now if, if, if Trent Williams is coming back and stuff. But that was the biggest – it's not the biggest name, but that was the first name that came to mind once he was cut that I was like, that makes a lot of sense, especially because the 49ers kind of gave up a couple draft picks to get him. And, you know, you, you lose him for a year, and then you bring him right back into the building when your team is healthier, and, and you see where you go from there. But I could probably come up with a better answer or something that's maybe a, someone that's a little more intriguing. But Emmanuel Sanders was somebody that popped up right away. No, that's definitely a, a good answer, especially, you know, to have a veteran in the room for, for Ayuk to, you know, to lean on and, and learn from. I, I was leaning more towards pass rush. There's some good oh, guys yeah. out there. Carl Lawson. I, I'm looking at the pass rush right now, yeah. and, and I Carl see guys Lawson, like – and Gakwe. Uh, There's some yeah. real, the, the, the amount of edge free agents that are be, going to become available that haven't been tagged. Like it's a pretty ridiculous list. You got Matt Judon, Melvin Ingram, Shaq Barrett, Bud Dupree, Carlos Dunlap, Jadeveon Clowney, Kyle Van Noy, not Yannick Ngakwe, Justin. Like there's Ryan Kerrigan. It's a pretty massive list. Yeah. Leonard Floyd, Olivier Vernon, like, and maybe they end up picking one of those guys up because I, all of them are going to get paid, but. The, that the list being that extensive has to make some of them cheaper at least. And I a feel like bit. the the draft edge class, you know, is a little bit shaky. You know, I don't I don't think you want to. You know, I hear you guys talk about it. you got you don't want to pick somebody just for the need. You know, I hope we go best player available if anything. But if we can get one of those guys and get Bosa back healthy, man, hey, that that uh, that E man signing gonna look a lot better. Right. Well, and then you also got somebody, maybe maybe the 49ers have a decent chance of bringing back Kerry Hyder, who would be the perfect guy to play opposite Nick Bosa. But, I, you know, he just thought he had such a great season. It's hard to it's hard to see them being able to meet his price point. No, I, I definitely agree. Hey, you, got any, uh, you got anything else there, Malik? Oh, that's it. I appreciate it, guys. Hey, I appreciate you jumping in here, man. Hey, um, you know how I just mentioned uh, the receiver Jonathan Adams from Arkansas State. Well, today at I do know how you just yeah. Well, I just that. mentioned him. He he just ran a, a four four eight today at the Exos Combine. So, you know that's that's solid. That's that's really good for him. That's a really fast. Big yeah, guy. he's a you know he's a he's a six three you know over two hundred pound receiver. So you know the forty nine is missing. You know Kendrick Bourne. You know him set to be a free agent and not having really that kind of type of reliable guy and 
Kendrick Bourne kind of played that role as a bigger receiver, but he's not really big. You know, he's six one. He looks at two hundred pounds, but if you can look at him, he doesn't look like big like that. Um, but uh, you know, having somebody like Adams that that give you like a legit, um, you know, big over the over the above the rim target, and he's fast. Like you know, four four eight, you're fast. So that's it's just intriguing. That just popped up on my phone, so I just thought I'd throw that out. I've always wondered, and this is the most ridiculous thing to bring up right now. But I've always wondered why teams didn't, like, sign some big-ass former NBA player. And when I say former, I still mean young. But, like, anytime you get within, like, the 15-yard line, you bring out your dude that's, like, 6'11 and has a mean-ass vertical leap. And you're like, just throw the, the arc, air that hoe out a little right. bit. And, and, and there's no chance anybody else is going to be able to compete for the ball. You got your 5'9 corner down there just trying to figure out what the hell he's supposed to do. I don't know, man. It's obviously not that simple, but I've always wondered when people talk about like big body, go up and get at receivers. I'm like, why don't you just bring in some former NBA player that's just gonna like box everyone out and and get the ball about two feet higher than anybody else has a chance. But it's it's one of my more ridiculous ideas that I've that I've thought of. Um, but anyways, one thing. Well, you know what? Before we, before we keep rolling, I, I'm I'm enjoying these speaker requests. Let's keep going with it. Emmanuel, you are on the stage, my friend. What do you got? Another Emmanuel, just excited that the other one got signed. You there, dude? Doesn't like we got Emmanuel. I don't think we got him. Can you oh know? yeah, got him. There we go. There he is. What's going on, fellas? Hey, how you doing, man? Yeah, nice. <laughs> Let's go, man. I'm gonna, I'm, like I said, I'm never not going to get excited about that. Hey, so here's my thing. Uh, since, since the Super Bowl run season, I feel like the offensive line has been has been a problem, especially the inside. Um, so I think I think priority is you know we got to re-sign Trent. And then um, I, I got my eye on, like, maybe, like, a Trey Turner. I don't know exactly. What do you guys think how he would fit the offense as far as, like, scheme and stuff like that? But, you know, if we can't land a guard like that, you know, you know, get a Mac and draft a guard, um, you know. And then I'm also – I'm also I, – I love Jason Verrett. Like, he balled out last year. I love the way he plays. But it's kind of, kind of the way I felt with Jimmy Ward, like, when we re-signed him, like, can you can you trust giving him the big money? Like, because I'm pretty sure he's going to be looking to get paid. What do you guys think? Crocker, what do you think, man? Uh, I missed the last part of the question. Who who, who was it that you the, first, the last part was the last part was what do you how do you feel about the 49ers paying Jason Verrett after after okay. kind of his his injury yeah. history? And I know he 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 brought up Jimmy Ward. Um, I, I don't mind well, it because yeah. I don't, you know, when we, I don't think it'd be something like long term. Like you know, whatever they were, you know, gonna give Verrett, I assume it'd be like two years. You know, I don't think it'd be something that locks them in long term. And I don't think it would be a signing that kind of like makes it to where they don't go out and still try to figure out how to find more of a long term solution for that position. So from that standpoint, and, you know, I thought he was really good last year. You know, obviously he's still not like. He, Jason Verrett, but he was he was good. That was the best corner play I've seen from the 49ers, you know, corner from for a long time, just the way that he was able to really challenge himself uh, from that standpoint. You know, he was targeted a good amount, and I thought even with those targets, he handled himself well. The way he challenged De- DeAndre Hopkins the entire game, that was really cool to see. So, 
That was really cool yeah. to see that that yeah. that break up in the end zone. It, like man, yeah. And when I say challenge himself, I mean like there were a lot of times where he would like anticipate, you know, a, a route that was going to be sat down instead of just giving up an underneath route. You know, they, you know, we've seen, you know, like even like Richard Sherman kind of play safe a little bit and just be willing, more willing to give up underneath routes where there's a ten yard, twelve yard out route. He just be like, you know, whatever. Um, well, I, I thought Verrett did a really good job of challenging those type of plays. Now, there was, like, some portion of the season where I was like, hmm, he's not challenging himself as much as he was early in the year when he first got on the field. But overall, I thought he I thought he did a terrific job. Uh, and, you know, if they were to pay him, I, I, I would be fine for, with that because I think, you know, ultimately, you know, like, I, I have a starting corner. Like, now, is he CB1? Like, do you look like – you look at him to shadow guys or anything like that, like probably not. But you know that he's a de- he's definitely a solid starting cornerback, and I think from that standpoint, you know, it, it'd be worth paying him, you know, over a couple years. And to your uh, to your first question, Manuel, I could, I mean, I do feel like the 49ers are going to upgrade on the offensive line, whether it's early in the draft. I'm talking like day one or day two, or a free agent like Alex Mack, who's already kind of like penciled in as, as one of the 49ers favorites just because of his experience with Kyle Shanahan. He's kind of at the tail end of his career. Seems like somebody you could bring in and get a couple years out of and just feel good about it, maybe even one year. Um, but I do feel like it is a need, though. I, I am with you on the fact that they probably need to get better. Uh, they did tender Daniel Brunskill, who picked up the slack at right guard. Seems like he might be better suited for tackle where he was more comfortable. But the 49ers are kind of set there, so they knew he was a decent offensive lineman, and they put him inside. Uh, I mean, I said this last time, and I don't, I don't want to be repetitive, but I do think a big part of that equation is just consistency and allowing these guys to play together. Um, you know, in, in terms of now, they do have to figure things out at center. You can't just really run it back with the guys you had at center. That at least there, it seems obvious they got to upgrade. But as far as Brunskill and you know, and and the left side with uh, Trent Williams. And Lake and Tomlinson, that was their first year together. I do feel like if you left a lot of the pieces in place, minus the center, I do feel like they're going to get quite a bit better this year. And it's hard to evaluate the offensive line when you have quarterbacks that are statues, too. Like, they don't help them out at all. There were times when all they had to do was simply step up in the pocket, and they didn't. You know, so it, it's hard to blame them for all of it. But who knows, man. I, I But I'm with you. I do feel like they need to get better there. We'll just there. There may be some of that improvement might come in the form of of bringing the gang back together next year and them just having another year to play together. But that's 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 my thoughts on it. So, um, the one thing that because I know we got Samuel here, but the one thing I do want to talk about is uh, Ian Rappaport also went on to say that the 49ers were going to try to re-sign both. He did mention Kyle Juszczyk, and he did say that Kyle Juszczyk's deal was going to happen today, and it did. So he was all over that, Ian Rappaport was. And he also said the 49ers were making a very, very concerted effort to bring back both Trent Williams and Jason Verrett before tomorrow afternoon when their exclusive negotiating window closes, and those teams are now allowed to negotiate with any other team in the NFL before official free agency starts um, on the 17th. So, I mean, I don't necessarily know if I if I have thoughts on it. That is, it's bold. I didn't think the 49ers were going to be able to lock this many people up. But if you hadn't heard, they did restructure uh, center Weston Richburg's contract. They freed up like like almost seven million dollars, I believe, and he's essentially considered. 
he, he's considered retired is the way that it sounded. Um, he's expected to retire, and the 49ers kind of restructured his contract in the same way the Saints kind of did with Drew Brees in the fact that when he retires, most of his money goes off the books other than what he was already owed. So they freed up some space. That opened the 49ers before Emmanuel Mosley's deal had about $32 million in salary cap space. Now they've re-signed Mosley. They've re-signed Juszczyk. Neither of those guys are going to have huge impacts in year one. So the vast majority of that money is still available. You have to set, you have to set aside maybe like seven or eight million dollars for the rookie class um, because they're going to come in and it's not the entire rookie class though. A lot of people forget that they will bump people out of the top 51 equation with that goes into the salary cap. So they do have to save some money for the rookie class and then the rest of that money I'm assuming is going to go to Trent Williams and it sounds like they're also going to try to lock up Jason Brett. And, and I don't know what they would pay Jason Brett. I know Crocky kind of just talked about it. I'm assuming if somebody's paying Jason Brett, Brett, whether it's the 49ers or another team, it's going to be a contract that has a lot of incentives because of what Emmanuel said earlier and the fact that you, uh, Brett's really struggled with, with injuries. And I don't think any team is going to be that comfortable paying him a huge amount of guaranteed money. I feel like it's going to be more incentive-laden. Um, but I know I asked you last time, Croc, you considered Brett kind of like the most important quarterback to re-sign. Do you still feel like they, they need to do the, do what they can to lock him yeah, up? Yeah, you mean like over Williams? Over Kawhi Williams? Yeah. Like, yeah, Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you want starting level cornerbacks, you know, and obviously, like, I mean, we saw the 49ers get to the Super Bowl with, you know, Sherman and whoever the hell was playing on the opposite side of them. But you, you want, like, at least to have, like, that one guy. And I think Verrett kind of gives him that. And, again, like, I'm not saying he's CD1. I'm not saying he's just some shutdown, lockdown guy. But he's a solid starting NFL cornerback. And, you know, I, I think, you know, out of 32 NFL teams, he'd be the best corner on a few of those teams. So, from that standpoint, definitely, like, you, you want to get something done and and make sure that you retain that level uh, of a good player. Like, just like you said, like, you want good players. You, you can't just let every good player, you know, walk out and feel like, you know, they're just easily replaceable. Um, but, you know, obviously it's always it's going to come down to money. And there are other free agent corners that would be good. Like, like if if there were no money involved, I'd probably rather have William Jackson than Verrett, you know. But I think uh, Jackson's going to demand a good amount of money on the market, so. Yeah, and it, and there is a little bit of – there's got to be a little bit of a, a positive relationship there between Verrett and the 49ers. You know, they kept – they kept they signed Verrett initially. He was the first team to give him another chance after he had those two seasons in a row with, with uh, season-ending in, injuries and the Chargers let him go. The 49ers were the first team to pick him up. Um, he ended up getting hurt and missing that season. And I think a lot of teams would have been like, all right, we learned our lesson, let's move on. Well, the 49ers re-signed him again and kept him around, and that ended up being last year Jason Verrett's, you know, comeback party. And had Alex Smith not gone through what he went through, Jason Verrett might have won comeback player of the year because of what he went through and how bad his injuries were. And for him to make a comeback like that is nothing short of incredible. You're talking about like almost like three seasons in a row with season-ending injuries, and then all of a sudden you're out there locking down DeAndre Hopkins and breaking up what looked like one of his patented touchdown catches in the end zone. Like, dude, if you guys listen to the pod throughout the season, I was always just so fired up about Jason Verrett. 
and what he was doing. So there's a positive relationship there between his and the, him and the 49ers. Brett knows that the 49ers were the ones that stuck with him. That I'm not saying that they're going that he's going to allow them to sign him for less than he can get on the open market, but I feel like both of them would want to have have that desire to kind of maintain that relationship. So we'll see if they get it done. It's not saying the 49ers have to get them done before tomorrow. That just is basically when the opportunity for them to negotiate with other teams comes up. It would not surprise me if the 49ers do not re-sign Trent Williams before that window opens. Trent Williams gets about a day with that window open, seeing what other teams are, are thinking about offering him what kind of contracts they'd be willing to give him. And then he kind of reports back to the 49ers and says, hey, this is what it's going to take. And then it gets done. I I do feel like the 49ers, Trent Williams has always said that he wants to see what his value is like on the open market. But he's also always said that he wants to come back to the 49ers. So I do feel like he's going to have that, that, you know, that moment there to kind of see what he would get on the open market. But I do feel like the 49ers are just going to end up getting it done. I don't know though. I don't know. I mean, I'm not definitely not guaranteeing it. I just, I, it'd be, it'd be hard to imagine them getting that done before tomorrow afternoon after, after what they've been doing, but it would be impressive. Who knows? The 49ers just might be about that action. We know they're, they're getting drunk and FaceTiming players. So maybe they've, they've got this situation figured out because if they're that chill about it, then <laughs> they're that chill about it. So who knows, man? Who knows? Let's, uh, let's get, let's get Sam in here. Sam, um, I believe he was all up in, on the mic yes, uh, last episode, too. So, Sam, what do you got, my friend? You are on stage. Hey, guys, what's up? I'm, I'm going to probably be asking to talk a lot because I, I love picking y'all's brain about football. Dude, always, man. Okay, th- this one tonight is real quick, just for Crocker. Um, I've been kind of dipping into the first-round corners. Uh, have you watched the projected first-round corners yet? And... Am I crazy for thinking that J.C. Horn is the one most built to handle the wide receiver ones of our division, like G.K. and Hopkins? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've watched – yeah, I've pretty much watched anybody that's probably a projected first round and a lot of guys that are probably be projected second rounds as well. Um, J.C. Horn, you know, I, I, I really like him. He's my favorite cornerback in this class. Uh, you know, when you talk about, you know, just physicality and, and that that's what the 49ers are missing. Like, that guy – <laughs> I don't want to see Verrett have to guard DK Metcalf. <laughs> I don't want to see um, uh, Mosley have to guard DK Metcalf. But when you when you, <laughs> when you see you know JC Horn and how big he is, you know I talked about I, I watched him um, during his little workout. He was working out with Oliver Davis, um, this cornerback trainer from from Atlanta, and um, they were in L- in LA training with uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey and Horn was, like, bigger than Ramsey. So, like, this is a big cornerback, and he moves extremely well. I think he has really good feet. Um, he's definitely one to take on, like, tough tasks uh, of of guarding someone's, you know, wide receiver one with no issue. And just the way that he plays, that level of physicality, I think he matches up with a DK Metcalf extremely well. DK Metcalf, even um, even DeAndre Hopkins, you know, like, like that. that's the type of corner when you're like, hey, I want you to shadow this guy, and you're going to, Guard him and just make life tough on him. Like you, you're not, you're not going to win every matchup, but make life tough on him and then just play with that confidence, that swagger and stuff. That's J.C. Horn. I, like I think nobody in this class like can can do that matchup and play with that level of confidence and and that level of aggressiveness and not be pushed around. You know, we've seen the mic'd up with with D.K. Metcalf and him 
um, luckily, like Ward, you know, Ward never backed down. And I don't know if you guys have heard that um, those mic mic up sessions, but DK he's a, he's a big dog. And like before the play, after the play, the way he talks, before the game, all that. And to have somebody that like uh, matches that level of intensity, that would be awesome. But unfortunately, at, at least from what the 49ers have been defensively, they they haven't had. I, maybe it's because they haven't they they don't feel like they have that guy to do that. But they haven't asked anybody to be that guy to where it's like, hey, I want you to follow this guy around. They've kind of just either played their boundary corner step, boundary field, or left side, right side. But no, nothing like where it's like, hey, J.C. Horn, go go guard him wherever he goes. But, yeah, it definitely would be nice to have a cornerback with that type of uh, ability. And uh, Fortnite just haven't had that in years, like since Deion Sanders. <laughs> so it's been a long time. Sammy, yeah. you got anything else, man? No, man. I I totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I love I love Rhett and E man, but it feels like their game isn't really styled to stop receivers like DK and and Hopkins. So I was hoping to just get a little confirmation. I'm not I'm not a pro scout or anything, but I, you know, I want to get a little confirmation that I'm not going crazy here with what I see with JC. No, I think I mean I've heard a lot of people talking about you know like you got. Uh, and Patrick Patrick Sertain's a little bit of a freak himself, but I think everybody kind of talks about J.C. Horn like he's that the freak at the position, and maybe his floor is a little lower than some of the other guys, but, you know, it's one of those, like, this guy could really, if he realizes his potential, could be better than everybody. That's at least how I've heard people talk about him. So, I mean, I do think corner is one of the top needs for the 49ers. So if if, if they elected to go away from the quarterback position, I feel like, Corners probably one of the ones that I would put the highest odds on them taking. So, I mean, I think it's I think it's smart to look into them and see what the 49ers would be getting. Oh, real quick. All right, Sam, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, oh. Hey, take care, guys. All right, thanks, Sam. Um, you know, real quick, there are a lot of people that are like, oh, well, traditionally the 49ers haven't taken a cornerback high in the in the draft, and and I I would say to that they haven't really been in position to really take a, a corner really high. Like, you know, you definitely want to prioritize edge rushers over over a corner. But, like, you know, now with Bosa and stuff and, and you have a lot of, you know, first-round talent on the D-line, I mean, that hasn't stopped them before. But I, I just don't think at, at this time, I think, at least in my power rankings, I don't know about anybody else's, but I would have, like, the cornerbacks over edge rusher in this class. So I wouldn't force that, you know, even though I think, you know, obviously having a great pass rush is more beneficial than just, like, oh, let's have a good corner out there. But I just don't see that guy. As, as a as a pass rusher in this class, so from that standpoint, I, and just with the 49ers being completely depleted at the cornerback position, this is the first time in a while they've been like that as well. You know, they've had some different like transition pieces, some kind of bridge guys. What do you want to look at? Um, you know, I think they thought they had something in like Rashard Robinson, and they drafted Witherspoon, and that was that was supposed to be something that I think that was like a long term thing, but obviously, you know, that didn't really work out. I think now. Is it kind of the first time they try to patch that up with with guys like Sherman, who he was more than a patch. He ended up being an all pro corner, but you know even Verrett, you know stuff like that. But now it's like okay, we lost everybody. At some point, we uh-huh. need to pour a lot of resources into this position, and uh, I think that's something like well they haven't until they do. So we'll we'll see if they do in this draft. Um, if they do, this is definitely the the draft to take a cornerback at twelve. Or, you know, even, uh, you know, second round, I think there'll be some solid corners 
uh, there early in the second round as well. So um, it, it's a good CB class, but Horn Horn is definitely my favorite of them all. Yeah, it reminds me of I don't know if you've seen the movie Sully about the uh, the guy who landed the airplane in the water uh, in the river. But he's telling them that he's telling the people that are investigating it, like, hey, I had both of my engines go out like right after takeoff. And they're like, that would be unprecedented. And he's like, well, everything's unprecedented until it happens for the first time. <laughs> right. And, and, so, and so it's like, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing where people always say like, oh, well, quarterbacks from that school never do well. I'm like, well, okay. So they haven't yet, but it's going to happen eventually. And it's the same thing. Quarterbacks the from Texas drop in the corner. Never pan out. No right. quarterback from the air raid. And then and it's like, this guy's like the greatest quarterback ever. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's like, well, damn. At least it wasn't. Well, that he's way. an outlier. So, and that, that was my thing on the whole outlier. Right, right. Like, well, if you don't take chances on things, then you're, you'll never get that outlier. And I really think good quarterbacks in general are outliers. You know, a bunch of a quarterbacks fifth, uh, come out you know, every year. A fifth-round tight end becoming one of the best to ever do it would be an outlier, uh, yeah. too. But here we yeah. are. You know, so. Here we are. Okay, we have another speaker request. We got Lance. Lance, how you doing, my guy? You are on stage. Hey, what's up, fellas? What's going on? What's up, man? Oh, you know what it is. You know yeah. what it is. We got uh, two quick questions. Um, first one, I know we talking about, uh, talking about the 49ers upgrading the quarterback position. Uh, if Let's say if you – wanted to get Justin Fields, what would be your ideal trade package to move up and where would you move up to to get him? Oh, oh man. That's a great question. Let me uh, look at the draft order. Hey, and real quick, while he's looking at the <laughs> draft know. order, which he knows I know it like the back of my hand, but um, or if you want the draft order. So. Okay, rattle off rattle off the order there, Croc. Go ahead. All right, so is at one is Jacksonville, at two is the Jets, at three it's yep. the Dolphins, at four is Atlanta, yep. at five it's Cincy, six, Eagles, seven, Lions eight, Panthers yep. nine, uh nine Broncos ten Cowboys yep eleven Giants twelve Niners let's go yeah and who's picking <laughs> the twelve Croc oh twelve Niners yes sir <laughs> dude that was hella good yeah, yeah. Um, in my face man. yeah so so ideally first of all I mean this whole thing and, and we've kind of talked about it before but on 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 uh on the Ohio State quarterback, on fields. It seems like he's kind of dropping, but I don't know if that's Twitter that's dropping them because, you know, there's, like, there's, there's different there's, – there's draft Twitter, and then there's actually, like, real draft people. So I don't know which, if he's just dra- dropping on Twitter or if it's, like, a real thing. But if he is, to me it's kind of crazy because at the end of the day, it, any you can be a polished quarterback and still end up sucking. You can be a quarterback with great tools and still end up sucking – a lot of it's going to come down to does he go to the right situation for him, and does he have the tools? To, can he elevate things? And when I look at when I look at Fields, is he a perfect quarterback? No, he's not perfect. There is no perfect quarterback in this class, you know. But I think with what he brings and going to the right place, like you know, especially like if it were the Forty ers where you get into an offense and you have George Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and and Raheem Mostert to hand the ball off to, and Kyle Juszczyk. <laughs> no, I'm joking about Kyle Juszczyk. But, you know, right, you have all these different pieces that – and then the ultimate puppet master with Kyle Shanahan. So I think, like, if he was going to be successful, yeah, you put fields on the Jets, he might suck. They got the worst offensive line in the league. Like, that's not me guessing. That's PFF. Like, it's been the worst for the last few years. 
Um, their weapons have been inconsistent. We'll see if they upgrade there. They they do have the money to do it. But, you know, just in general, the situation matters. I think even more so, and I've talked about that before, like your, the, the, with uh, Matthew Stafford, like structural, the, the organizational structure, like that, that's so huge. And you can overcome and elevate, if, if you're a top-tier quarterback, you can elevate a roster that's maybe a little bit down at, at a time. But you can't overcome bad organizational structure. So if Fields or any of these quarterbacks go to a bad organization, they're likely to not do very well. So that that's that. Now, yeah, I'm I'm a Fields guy. I'm all for Fields and what he brings and, and how Kyle could utilize him. So if I'm the 49ers, I think the sweet spot for Fields would be somewhere around pick six. Like if you if you can trade up six yep. spots to get to the Eagles, maybe Lions. Right, but I think like somebody else might try to trade up. You know, you that's you you that's what you risk too. Like, you wait too long, somebody might trade up to pick six. Right, like, say say the Broncos or or the or the Panthers. I think the Panthers are kind of desperate for a quarterback. I could see the Panthers trading up to pick six. So you might have to be like, let me move up to six, and then even from there, if you want to guarantee you get them, maybe you gotta move up to six and then move up maybe one or two other spots. Maybe with like you know the the Bengals or something like that. But I definitely would move up to six, and I'd be willing to obviously exchange first-round picks this year. I would give up a second this year and then, like, a third next year. You know, just, just like something like that. So I wouldn't have another pick until the third round, but 49ers do have a good amount of draft picks. Um, I'd be willing to not pick in the second round this year, but I'll land a quarterback with extremely high upside. Yeah, I think I think it just depends on how much you love the quarterback you're trading up for because I'll even broaden out the question a little bit and say like like yes, I do believe Fields is like the guy to get behind behind Wilson and Lawrence. I feel like he's like clear cut the next best guy. And I think it just depends on how much you value that guy versus the other two like Trey Lance and Mac Jones or wherever you're at. So as long as Justin Fields is that guy, then there's really no limit to how far the 49ers should or could trade up, you know. I feel like the Panthers are going to be making calls to the first team that's not taking a quarterback. So you got Jacksonville, you got the Jets, and then you have the Dolphins. And maybe and, – and Atlanta is kind of somebody who could go quarterback that a lot of people could see that happening. But Miami, uh, at the same time, has uh, Tua. And, they, you know, they could be willing to run it back with him. They should at least. And so that means that the Carolina is probably going to be looking to jump up and they need to do that because they know, like we were talking about with the 49ers, that teams are going to be looking to jump up ahead of them. I think Carolina is kind of pegged as being an obvious spot to take a quarterback. Uh, even, you know, it's been talked about even with Denver. So the 49ers got some guys to jump. And if Carolina just sits pat, then I would say, okay, trade up to seven. But like Crocker said, you have no idea where these other teams what other teams are calling and where they're trying to move to. So to me, if you are sold on that being your guy and that being the guy that you want and nothing else will satisfy you, then get a, get, trade up as high as you can. Like don't sit around and wait because then you're just going to end up looking like an asshole when somebody else trades up in, into one of those spots and selects a quarterback. Like 
it, it may be harder to do because you're further back in the order and you might have to up the price. I mean, if I'm trading all the way up from, let's say, 12 to 3 because I'm not waiting for any of that other stuff to happen, then I'm giving up my second rounder this year and my first rounder next year. And that's that. And you don't worry about it because you got your guy and you're rolling. And, you know, you run it back with Jimmy G. If Jimmy G sucks, uh, then, uh, you know, Trey Fields gets to play towards the back half of the season. If Jimmy G doesn't suck, then you win football games and tra- and Justin Fields gets to learn from from whatever good things Jimmy G brought to the table this year. So to me, it's more of a don't sit back and wait unless you are also happy with Trey Lance or Mac Jones. Then you either sit there at 12 or you trade up to your trade up doesn't have to be as high. Yeah. But if Justin Fields is the guy, then you need to get the hell up there and be done with it so that you get to, you know, go have your champagne and go get drunk and FaceTime Justin Fields <laughs> about being the next great 49ers quarterback rather than sitting there sweating your ass off and just hoping that nobody else takes him or trades up higher than you plan to. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's okay. what I – I mean, I would be aggressive as hell about it because it's the quarterback, man. There's nothing more important. Gotcha. And like uh, my last question, I put in the chat earlier, but I was saying I doubt, I highly doubt this happens unless he had like a bad pro day or something, or something ha- comes out about him like he did with like uh, Laramie Tunsil a couple years ago. But if somehow Rashad Bateman slides to the second round with the Forty ers pick, would you go ahead and pull the trigger on him? Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, why not? Um, well, what the again, why the hell not? I think people people look at the Forty ers receiver position and they're like, well. 49ers are good at receiver. Like, they took someone in the first round last year. They took someone in the second round the year before. And then, what, second round the year before that, right? But the the way I look at it is, like, these dudes have Debo, Ayu, and then nobody. <laughs> like, you know, and no disrespect to, like, Richie James. I think Richie James is solid. But it's very underwhelming, like, after Richie James. So, you know, they, they probably won't spend a lot of resources on the receiver position. Like, they, they might get somebody, like, fourth round or something like that, fifth round. But if they, they did say, hey, you know, we really like this Rashad Bateman, you know, he just makes it scarier. I think the the issue that you run into is you, you can't you can't keep all three forever. So that that's the part that kind of, like, hurts you, right? Like, when you – because you kind of have to – you, you got to plan ahead with every, every pick. So – you know, you, you, you draft a guy, especially in the first or second round, expecting to keep this guy for the long haul. And obviously it doesn't always work out that way, but that's what you're expecting. So if if you draft a, a receiver in the second round, say you draft Bateman, what does that say about Debo? You know, like that that's what that's the one. I would, if I'm Debo, I feel like I'm putting on alert. Like, hey, I ain't going to be here that long. I remember when I was in the room, I was in the um in the room with Cromartie, and I remember at, at the 49ers taking D Milliner number nine overall, and Cromartie was basically put on, like, alert, like, oh, I ain't going to be here that long. And the crazy thing is, I said the same thing, like, oh, I ain't going to be here that long. <laughs> 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 but, but Cromartie knew the writing was on the wall when they took D. Milliner. So, you know, if, you, if, if they take a guy second round, I think it kind of, it might say – Maybe how they feel about Debo, which again, I don't think that's the case because I think they love Debo. So you know, not I'm not saying Debo is gonna be gone, but I just have a hard time seeing them take a, a receiver in the second round, even though I would. But just from a standpoint of eventually you gotta pay these guys, and you know, some you don't you don't want a guy have to be the the odd man out. Right, and like you're saying, you just gotta keep the talent coming. 
Like you, you can't ever just assume a position group is going to remain finite and it's or, or infinite and it's just going to stay that way, especially with the salary cap. You know, if you if they were like the the New York Yankees and they could sign whoever the hell they wanted, then they would just roll with it and they'd be fine. But right. you know, with the, with a salary cap that's even between teams, they have to keep the talent coming. And, and to me, I think you already mentioned this, or somebody already mentioned best play available. Like, I don't care what the situation looks like at that position. If you got somebody on your draft board that's like glaringly fallen too low, then you just take that player because you need good players. And that's it. You just keep the good football players flowing into the organization, no matter what the situation looks like, because that shit can change so yeah, fast. You know what? With injuries. You, no, you're right. My bad. Sorry to cut you off. Like The Cowboys just took CeeDee Lamb at, hey, what, 16, 17? And that was, with, yeah, right. that was just after they just paid Amari Cooper $100 million. And Gallup was coming off like a thousand yard season. So um, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was mad on draft night about that. Cause I'm like, okay, we'll see. He just fell right to us. And it's like Ken law. I was like, Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had picks. I'm like, they're going to take him. Watch. Damn sure. What happened? Okay. Yeah. Yep. 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 49ers in their first round defensive lineman. Yeah. I mean, maybe Jalen Hurd finally stays healthy and this all becomes a moot point anyway, hopefully. Yeah. That would be, that would be an absolute best case scenario because Jalen Hurd's a little bit of a freak, man, but he's beat up, man. And we'll, we'll see. That's not anything to do with Jalen Hurd is just a bonus. All right, fellas. Appreciate it, man. All right, buddy. Appreciate you, Lance. Uh All right. Croc. Yeah. Put the cleats on, Alexander says. Put the cleats on. Cleats on, but I Croc's still Croc's still putting the cleats on. I mean, he's just doing it with the little kids. He's training it and rise up. Yeah, rise up, right. Got the got the got the college kids too. <laughs> like tomorrow things. morning, no, Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be on the field with the college kids. Do uh, how often do those guys like challenge you to like one on ones? They haven't yet, and I probably wouldn't do it. But I, I probably really have to start like really training. Like, and if I really train for, like, a month, like, really, yeah, I, I'll be cool. But right now, if I really try to do something, I will – I'll be sore for a few days, and I might hurt myself. Last time I tried to mess around with them, I, like, hurt my hip, and it's been a year, and it still hurts. So I don't know if I'm supposed to get, like, <laughs> surgery. I had to go see a chiropractor and everything. So, yeah, I, you you won't see me trying to go out there and do any reps with – especially with the college kids. Now, the, the – they're like middle school and high school kids, yeah, I get out there with them, but not not the college students. They're actually <laughs> kind of good. <laughs> you know what's funny about that too is uh, that little story I told earlier about falling off the top of my kitchen counters is I I told my dad and because at first I was hurting, man, my left knee swelled up really bad. My I I think I broke my big toe on my left foot, um, and that's kind of healed. My knees, the swelling immediately went down when I iced it, and so I'm all right. But I text my dad what happened, and he's like, son. You are now 35. You can't really have those kinds of accidents. And when you do, you're going to feel it for the rest of your life because you're at that age now. Like, you're going to be 50, still feeling the time when you fell off your counters <laughs> at 35. Yeah. So he said, just be careful. And that, and you saying that about that reminded me of that. Because, you know, I coach middle school football, and I like going out and messing around with those kids and, and, and doing that. But it's the same thing, bro. Every time I'm like, man, I'm not sure that was the smartest thing to do, yeah. but – I did it. I feel like every time I'm like rolling the dice, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm glad I'm not hurt. But anyways, anyways, I feel like we just, we just friggin' just sprinted through another excellent pod. Like, I feel like we just, 
like Kyle, you checked the shit out of this podcast <laughs> and just threw it aside like it was nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I mean, we were already at an hour and 26 minutes, which has been like our new locker room standard. And that, I mean, it's just crazy how fast it happens. Doing this on here is just so much fun. And I appreciate everybody. I think for the, for the, for the most, most of the, the podcast, we are over 30 people the whole time. And I'm sure that's just going to continue to grow. So I appreciate you guys for being in here, man. It really does mean a lot. And I know Crocker feels the same way. The fact that you guys want to just come up in here and chill and, and ask your questions and talk football with us is just, I mean, it's, it's really fucking cool. And I mean that. And if, uh, if you're listening to this and you're just listening to the Strike and Gold podcast afterwards, make sure you get the locker room app. The Android version is coming soon. I promise. Uh, get the locker room app so that you can, you can jump up in here with, with us, but Crocker, you got any, uh, you got any closing thoughts, my friend? Yeah, man. I appreciate everybody for, for checking in. All right, everybody, all y'all in the chat. I appreciate everybody for hanging out in here. I, I, I love it. Like you, you've heard enough from me. You've heard my voice enough for, for an evening, but Hey, you, you already know what it is. We will back, be back in here on Wednesday evening at 7 PM. We are going to, Crocker and I are going to do our best to commit to every Sunday and every Wednesday at 7 p.m., basically until next season starts. Then we'll pump it back up to at least three or four episodes a week. Um, the only exceptions to that is, well, you know, let's say if the 49ers do something wild over the next couple few days with free agency, we might jump on here uh, and just rifle off a quick episode just to kind of update y'all. So um, just be at, at the. Uh, just be ready for Wednesday at 7. We will be right back on here. We expect all of you guys to be back on here, too. Um, and, yeah, Lance said, would y'all do an episode during the first round of the draft? During the first round of this draft? That, I, I, feel like we'll, I feel like we'll have so, to now that he said that. Yeah, okay. I, I, you know, so I've been asked to, like, join, like, a, a live, like, little Zoom party draft thing. And I was like, man, like, let me see what Rob's trying to do because I feel like that's something you and I should do. Or maybe we can get on Zoom with all the the you know locker room folks. I can just put like a link in there. Yeah, I, I have one that can like I can have like up to like a hundred or more people or something like that in it, and it's like unlimited. Well, we'll yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll at the very least we'll do locker room live, and if not, we'll, we might bump it up to Zoom or something like that. Like so, we have established that we'll at least do something during the draft. You know, because the last time I went through a draft, I was still writing, and now I've switched over to solely to podcast. So I want to embrace that shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll do it, and we we got plenty of do it in the in the chat. So uh, I think that's I think that's what we'll have to do, man. All right. I think that's what we'll have to do. But hey, again, I appreciate you, everybody that's just listening to this Strike and Gold podcast. I appreciate you, everybody in the locker room. I appreciate you. Thank you for making Strike and Gold what it is. But for another episode, I'm Rob. That's Croc. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out. Peace! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.